love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski here with my co-host Haley Chura and Haley, look, twins. I'm matching you yeah. this week. <laughs> Finally. Um the we male should match. Made it to should, should we match every week? Should we I, try to do ooh. this? Like, would that be a, a an interesting podcast niche where we yeah. like wear the same clothes every well, week? Well, but without planning it, like we try to mentally channel each other and see if we can like get on a, like see how many times we're actually close to like guessing what the other person's going to wear. Right. That'd be fun. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. That is, that is an interesting idea. After six years, you think we might be on the same, same wavelength, but today yes. we are, we are both wearing our women's sports fan club hoodies. Uh, we mentioned these last week that feisty has a new March drop and, uh, a lot of women's sports fan club gear. You can look at everything at womensperformance.com forward slash fan club. But what do you think of your hoodie, Alyssa? I know you were anxiously anticipating it last week, waiting on that mail delivery. Uh, have you had a chance to break it in in the last week? You know, I have. I definitely had it all broken in last week with Thanksgiving cooking. It was like covered in flour, all sorts of cooking things. And I will say it cleans up nicely. It washes well. I'm like super excited with the fit. Um, I'm wearing, I think I'm wearing a size medium for people who are like wondering about sizing. And I think, yeah, I think I'm also wearing a medium. I, yeah, it's like, I mean, it's, it's not super oversized. Like I feel yeah. like medium is a good size for me for a hoodie. And, um, I, I too have been like living in it. I I'm like someone who will wear the same hoodie to the pool, like yeah. multiple mornings in a row, just cause it's like right there and it's like warm. And well, and it's great. Cause when you wear a hoodie to go swimming, you wear your bathing suit to the pool, but then after the pool, if you're like always just, it's in, always in a rush to like get to the next thing of the day, like I am, you can just throw your hoodie on with your winter coat and you don't need to wear a bra. And it's like the perfect layering combination. That is true. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm usually in a hurry to go get like a coffee or something yes. <laughs> um, or walk the dog. And yes, it is one less thing you have to throw into your swim bag uh, since we have plenty of swim gear, but also a nice little fashion statement where we both are wearing the black version goes with everything and um, very comfy and cozy for this time of year. Yes. And so people, you can order your own. Like we said, we're in mediums. You definitely could go up to a large if you like like really oversized sweatshirts, I think. Um, it would be super comfy that way too. And I'm trying to pull up the website. It's women's I, women's oh, performance. Yes. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Womensperformance.com forward slash fan club. Yes. So get your merch. Let us know how you like it. And Haley, how was your American Thanksgiving? It was it was great, Alyssa. I'm I am not. I don't come from a holiday, a family that does like a lot for the holidays. And so I'm just not like a big holiday birthday person. I like celebrating every, every day, but I also love some holiday cheer. And so, uh, I, one of my good friends, actually one of my college teammates from university of Georgia swimming, she was in town. Kelly was in town with her family and they were going skiing up at big sky, which is a resort near Bozeman. And so I got to meet up with them. And Alyssa, I know we talk a lot about NCAA sports, kind of mostly in the context of 
NCAA triathlon. And I think one of the reasons I am such a big fan of NCAA triathlon is because it's creating these opportunities for, for people to not only have this experience to represent a university as an athlete, but to create these friendships that 20 years later, I mean, we met 20 at, at college 20 years ago, we can, you know, slide right back into those roles. There's something about having that pretty intense four-year experience of being an athlete together, of doing workouts together, of racing together, of experiencing these big championship races of representing this team together that bonds you. And when you get to meet up 20 years down the road, it's, it's just the coolest thing. And I'm so thankful for that friendship with Kelly. I was, I was great to meet her. She has two little girls now and I got to meet her kids and we got to, uh, bop around Bozeman a little bit. And that was, it was just a really good time. I'm having trouble understanding the fact that we were a freshman in college 20 years ago. That's wild, Haley. I know, but I just think it's, I don't know, there's certain friendships in life and I'm sure you can have them in different ways as well. I, I think, you know, probably you can meet someone at an aid station and an Ironman <laughs> yes. and have a similar connection, but, um, but it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's, I'm very, very thankful for, for my time at the university of Georgia. I'm still a big fan. I do love following it. And it is very wild when you do the math on the timeline and you realize that it was only a four year snippet of my life, but it had such a huge impact on me and, and I'm still reaping the benefits 20 years later. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad you got that quality time. I, I don't have like a huge holiday. Well, I don't have a very big extended family anyway. So holidays and similar to your stuff, I think birthdays are just very low key usually, but we did plan to all get together for Thanksgiving this year, and um, it was my sister and brother-in-law's first time coming to Vermont to see where Matt and I live, which was pretty fun. Um, we got a nice little winter storm that came in a couple days ahead of them, so everything was very pretty, snow-covered, and kind of, but like cleaned up, right? So it wasn't treacherous getting around or anything like that for them, but they did get to see it in kind of its winter mood, which was cool. And did probably pretty standard Thanksgiving things the first couple of days. And then Haley on Saturday, I have been waiting to, since we moved up to New England, to go to Killington Ski Resort the Saturday after Thanksgiving. They have the weekend after Thanksgiving, they have the women's ski team World Cup race in Killington every year. And so it is so, it looks so fun every year. I've seen it happen and like, you know, just been somewhere else kind of for Thanksgiving time. And this year I was like, okay, my family's coming in. We're all getting tickets and we're going to go. And so, yes, we, I dressed up all the non-New Englanders in lots of puffy coats and warm gear. And we headed up to the ski resort and there were like 20,000 people there on Friday to see the women's ski racing, which was really fun. Um, they did the giant solemn event on Saturday and then I think just like regular solemn, maybe on Sunday. And so it was super cool. I mean, we had, we went for the second run because, you know, it could be like an all day affair, but in the interest of keeping my family like engaged and warm, I timed it. So we got there to have lunch and then see the, like the second run of the giant solemn. And by that time we had three of the U S women still in that top 30. And I have to say, I think it might become a, like a women's ski team groupie now because the sport, first of all, is very efficient. Like they started that run exactly on time and women like just started coming down the hill, like one after the other on the right timing. Right. It's like, they do not waste time. There's not a lot of like 
faffing around. There's no questions. Like they all got through in an hour and it was like in and out. You got to see some like really good sporting action in that time. So I liked that aspect of it. Um, it's also really exciting. So like we had grandstand seats. So, I mean, you see, you're sitting right at the base of like a super steep hill that I will probably never ski. Um, and then they're just like bobbing down the hill so fast coming into the crowd. And then they do that like fun little stop and spray the crowd with snow and so we got to see Michaela Schifrin was um, in fifth going into that final round. And she, after her run, she was in first. And then she ended up third, I believe, after for the giant solemn. But I mean, the crowd went wild for her. It was like so exciting to be kind of there in that moment to see her. It is a hometown crowd for her because she grew up around here and kind of learned to ski around here. So has tons and tons of fans around here. Um, but it was really cool to see. And I will say... They have like live announcers there kind of running through everything as the women are coming down. And uh, Haley, it was very inspiring for me personally, because many of the women, I mean, go figure, they're like doing this daredevil sport, but so many of the women, the announcers were saying, she just came back from a recent knee surgery. Like she's had eight oh. knee surgeries in the past few years. She's had like done tons of knee surgeries. Right. So I got to watch these women who are like so good at what they do. They were really inspiring to see. And um, it was really cool just to like, you know, I think see sport at that level is just so, so fun. And the crowd was so excited. It was like a total, yeah, watch women's sports moment. I was very excited to have gone. That's so cool. And I know you took ski lessons last year. You said you don't think you'll ski this specific hill, but would you like to like run some gates? Would you like to like you know, <laughs> do a giant slalom? Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel like like in my head, I've watched so much YouTube of skiing. Like I, I could do it, but it's just, <laughs> I know I'll get on the mountain and be like, yeah, I can't do this. But I do think there's something to, I know at least with mountain biking, the first year I did it, I had a lot of fear. I had, I was like really slow, very cautious. And then going back even just year two, I like just kind of got over myself a bit, right? Like it wasn't as scary. It was a lot easier in a way. So I'm hoping that will be the case with skiing. Um, but I probably won't, you know, at this point, I'm hoping for like a March or April to get on on some easier ski hills with my knee. Um, the doctor has said that's a slight possibility. So we're going to hope for that. And that way, at least I can, you know, get in some practice this year. And maybe it's the third year will be the charm for me to to really hit <laughs> some gates. Is that what we think they say? <laughs> I think my mom. Yeah, my mom is a really good skier and oh, I yeah. grew up skiing um, and I was on the ski team, though I didn't race. I um, but I feel like I did. Yeah, I feel like I did run gates, but like it was probably a small little course and I had much like like shorter distance to fall back in those days, a lot less fear. Um, now I am, I am really, really trying hard not to get injured. So I don't, I don't spend much time on the slopes, but definitely a lot of respect for, for those women who did. And what a great way to showcase where you live and also, uh, celebrate with your family. That sounded perfect. Also, I was going to ask one other thing, like, are you someone who decorates for, for Christmas? Are you, are the holiday season? Are you, um, do you like doing some of that? Um, I like doing some of that. I definitely don't go overboard. I will say, uh, but I like, I usually do candles in the window, a tree and like a little bit of lights outside. Right. But I wish I had like the time and energy to go all out because I love it when houses do that. I think that's super fun, but I definitely just you know, don't have the like final determination, I guess, out of myself to like go get the like blow up dolls and the huge things to make like a scene. But I do love that when other people do it. 
What about yeah. you? Have you done any yet? Do have you are are you someone who like jumps on that right after Thanksgiving or was it too much with your company in town? Yeah, so with company in town, I gave myself yesterday to just like not have to jump right into that. Um, but I do think this week it's on the to-do list. So I am hoping and around here I will say, I don't know if it's because Vermont like gets dark really early, but it was like a week or two ago that everyone else in kind of our town started putting lights up and everything. Do they do that pretty early? Do you feel like where you are? Yes. I, I, I've been walking cowboy after dark recently, which I don't love, but, um, it gets dark so early that it's hard to avoid it, but I have watched so many lights pop up and then I'm like, this is amazing. And now I like walking after dark because I get to admire everyone's lights. I, I live in a condo, so I don't have like a whole lot of space to do a ton of decorating, but I need to put out a, I have like a little garland that I usually put out. And then, um, I did a little like inside, which I will admit I was taking down Halloween decor and replacing it with holiday <laughs> Christmas decor. Um, which I was a little embarrassed when people came to my house and saw, I still had Halloween stuff up, but it's been a busy, it's been a busy, you had, yeah, you had a busy, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, and also then you didn't have to decorate for that, like weird in between. And, you know, I didn't, it was, yeah. Anyway, I did get a tree yesterday. I got um, a cute little ponderosa pine, which when I, when I picked it out from the tree lot, uh, the woman's like, are you sure? You know, and I just like, I love like non-traditional Christmas trees. I went wanting a lodgepole. I don't think they had any lodgepoles, but I just saw this little ponderosa and it just smelled so good. It smelled so good. Like I could smell it. And it's, it's, you know, it's not your traditional Christmas tree, but I love it so much. And I decorated a little bit last night. And I, um, when I came in this morning after swimming and walking cowboy, like the smell in my house was just incredible. And so I don't regret my decision at all. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. I love, I do love like the smell of Christmas and just kind of the, the holiday scents that are everywhere. I think we're going to try and find, we're definitely going to be non-traditional for our tree. Cause I think we're motivated to hike into the backyard, <laughs> find something and, uh, Matt went up the other day and he said that pickings were slim. So uh, I don't know what we're going to end up with, but I'm sure we'll be fine. And it will hold decorations um, and holiday cheer, which I guess is what matters, right? Right. Yeah. No, I think, you know, you can do it your own way, but it brought me a lot of cheer right now. And as I uh, kind of ease out of my extended off season, start adding in some aerobic training and making some plans for 2024, uh, Alyssa, have we gotten any mailbag questions? I know we had a great one last week, but uh, was anyone pausing their their Thanksgiving or if they're anywhere else in the world, their normal Thursday activities to write into our mailbag last week? Haley, I think people are too busy doing their eating on Thanksgiving as they should be to be writing into our mailbag, but they can make up for it this week by sending us questions into the mailbag at ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to get those in through the month of December and answer a bunch of your questions. So ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Haley, I did, there was one race that took place after Thanksgiving, which usually happens. Ultraman oh, World Championship. Ultraman. How did yes. I not write this down? I, okay. I followed this. The coverage was on Instagram was really good. Mm -hmm. I actually, I mean, I'll give Bob Babbitt a lot of credit. Like I was like, following his Instagram and he was he like roadside, like old school, like talking as the person runs behind him. I was like, Bob, you go, man. Yes. Yes. It was pretty good coverage this year. I, I have to agree. It was also very exciting to see that in the top three overall, I believe two women. So 
women, women took second and third in the top three overall um, of the Ultraman World Championships, which is not surprising to me, but it is amazing to see and we should celebrate it. And so do you have we, those results in front of you? Because I, I do, thought okay, yes. Amy Robitaille won. Mm -hmm. And I know going into day three, she only had a 30 minute lead. And I believe AA was, which I'm not sure AA is my full name. I don't have the results in front of me. Uh, they have the same coach, the woman who got oh, third overall, okay. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that is Andre on Andre, Andre on Gerard okay. is my guess uh, with the pronunciation. And so they ended up, let's see, they, they did end up with like their event total times were actually a little over like 70, 75 minutes apart. Um, Amy out and, and that was coming from the run. Crushed that run. That run with Amy. What, yeah. what was Amy's run split? It was, it she was, was like 324 at the half. I, I remember seeing that for, for that's three hours and 24 minutes for a marathon in a double marathon, which I'm like, that's an incredible time in a standalone marathon it not is. alone as day three is the first half of a double marathon. Yes. And so she went 754.07 for the double marathon, which is really, really fast. She, it looks like she had the third fastest run time of the day. Um, and yeah, I mean, she absolutely crushed it. The third place female was Mary Latza um, coming in third. She also crushed it. I think each of the three days I was seeing really strong uh, results coming in from her. I was seeing a lot of smiles from the women too, that they were showing the coverage. And that's always just so amazing and awesome to me when like they are doing this event and able to enjoy it. Um, because I do think that is such a special part of like the multi-day type of events, like you know, not looking miserable and just kind of embracing it. And I think that pays amazing. off clearly with how well these women did. So amazing. I I did see that the man who won broke the record. And I was curious, how did Amy's time compare to Dee Dee Griesbauer's time from last year? I know the conditions are very different. And actually this year, the swim, the pictures of the swim that I saw, I, I did not envy them. I, I didn't want to be out there myself in those swells. I would have had um, some nausea issues. Yeah. So Amy's final time was 25 hours, 55 minutes, 15 seconds. I want to say, did Dee Dee break 24 hours? when she did it, we might have to come back with people with some research, but, um, cause I want to say she was pretty close to that 24 hour mark, but I also could just be making that up. So we will I'm investigate for it yeah. right now. Um, let's see. It I looks like I can get back. Maybe I can get back far enough in their Instagram too, to see, um, 2020s. I what year is it? 2023? No, I don't need these. I need 2022 results. Yes, I know. It's like, what year is it? I'm like, why doesn't oh, one of these? I might have it. Oh, got I got it. it. Okay. Was yes. It? Okay. So Dee Dee was third overall last year. Okay. She did break 24 hours. She was 23, 22. Um, okay. But I do think, I think you're right. I think that swim was quite a bit harder this year I mean I don't know swimming 10k in that ocean is always really hard and I will never yeah. reveal how long it took me when I did that swim one day um using paddles 
<laughs> I just, I'm like, I'm still but... kind of hopeful. I would still love, you know, I want a degree Bauer, Amy Robitaille showdown now. Oh yeah. That <laughs> would be great. In the next couple of years. Okay. I know this is a very big, a big undertaking for everyone involved and qualifying and everything, but, um, things to look forward to. And I still think we could throw Landa in there. Uh, Landy cave. I mean, there's still, we I can mean, get Hillary a- out of a- retirement, like, um, there's still showdowns to be had in this sport for sure, but for congratulations, sure. congratulations to, um, all those women who competed and all the athletes who competed. That is, it was so fun to log on and catch those, uh, those updates. And, um, so impressed, so impressed with those athletes really great. And we have a really great athlete on for people to hear from today too. That's right. So we are talking to Imogen Simmons today and we last had Imo on the show in 2020. She was fresh off a third place finish at the 70.3 world championships in Nice. And at the time she was navigating race cancellations and the rest of the pandemic with all of us. But since then, she has actually had a a lot happening. She had a career jeopardizing injury and made a major comeback from that, which was really highlighted this past August when she had this incredible streak of racing. She finished second at the 70.3 European Championships in Tallinn. I think it was two weeks later, she finished fourth at the PTO Asian Open in Singapore. And then just one week later, she was third at the 70.3 World Championships in Lati, Finland. So I talked to Imo about her comeback and that incredible string of racing and what it felt like to be back on a world championships podium after going through everything that she has. I will have that conversation with Imo right after a word from our sponsors. Hi, Imo. Welcome back to the Iron Women podcast. Oh, hi, Haley. Uh, thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's been a while. I know we have so much to catch up on because I think we last chatted in 2020. Uh, you had come off of your podium finish at the 2019 World Championship for 70.3 in Nice. We were all like mid pandemic. I think you were doing a lot of adventure riding and um, and then we can kind of fast forward through 2021 where you, you, we did have a return to racing. You had some solid results. Uh, but I think that you, you struggled a little bit with your marathons and, uh, the Ironman races in Florida and South Africa that happened late in that year and ultimately decided to get surgery in early 2022. So do I have that timeline about right? Um, yeah, I'd say that's pretty much spot on yeah (laughs) yeah I had uh yeah 2021 was kind of like a year of everything kind of COVID hit and then I also um during COVID I had like loads of leg issues like shin splints kept occurring and then like um I raced soon after what like one of the first races back in St. Paulton and I finished it like I got out sprinted by Anna Haug in the final, like I had a great race, but then the next day I couldn't walk and they thought I had a stress fracture in my hip. And um, so I did MRIs and then everything in like June, I think it was May, June, 2021 and nothing was diagnosed. And so I carried on training, racing that year as well in 2021 um, on what was later diagnosed in February the next year as a torn labrum and quite severely actually so I kind of got to a point where I couldn't really like walk run swim bike and I was like okay I don't think I'm going to be doing St George which I at that point qualified for the world champs there and so yeah 
Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about what went into that decision to get surgery? Because I understand that sometimes torn labrums do not require surgery, but it, but yours, it sounds like it definitely did. Yeah. So I had also had quite like a severe F AI, like the femoral impingement FIA. Um, so like it, even if I, like it was not going to get better on its own. Um, the doctor said that ultimately I could probably train and race on it for another year or two years without anything too significant occurring. But I was at a point where like I couldn't swim with, a, I hadn't been able to swim with a pool boy for like a year and a half, two years, um, just because of like, I had no power. Like My hip flexors were completely over-recruited and my glutes were just like, my left glute basically didn't function. <laughs> um, so I was basically having like loads of ongoing problems that weren't actually directly, like they weren't in the hip, but they were all related. Like the shin splints were all because I was using everything down the interior side of my leg and nothing down the exterior side of my leg to run. And um, in COVID I started doing big miles and it just accumulated into basically not being able to walk. Um, and yeah, it was just to me, I couldn't train to the standard I wanted to and ergo I couldn't race to the standard I wanted to so for me when the doctor was like yeah you need this eventually within the next two years you're gonna have to have it um or I can operate on you next week I was like okay I'll see you next week and then I didn't walk for three months so <laughs> it's a bit strange <laughs> wow yeah so how did the the surgery go and then was the recovery what you expected um the surgery when I mean, he was very happy with it. It went well. Um, obviously, within a torn labrum, it was like, it's, I don't know if you want me to go into the full description of it, but it's quite a grotesque one. Like, it's quite a strange feeling walking, walking in completely fine, like, okay, a little pain, but nothing too major. And like, looking at the table that you're going to have to lie on to the like, basically ski boots, they put your legs in, so they yank your legs out of the hip sockets by half a centimeter so that you can yeah so that you can like sew up the tear in the labrum and like you're looking at this like this is gonna happen to me just sedate me now please I don't want to know anything about this um so yeah that was like a um that was an interesting one and then what was made more interesting was when uh, doping control appeared two days later and I was there like I can't really do this <laughs> like I can barely sit down and you want me to be in a cup oh my <laughs> goodness I mean, I'm all yeah. for like, yeah, doping control. And obviously like we, we <laughs> love seeing like, you know, out of competition testing, but that is extreme. Wow. I mean, that's a sport, right? But yeah, that was a bit of a, oh, thanks for this. Like I've just learned how to walk around on crutches, let alone sit down. And yeah, anyways, she, yeah. she was a very nice lady. So there we are. <laughs> I do believe some of those doping control officers have seen it all. Like they, nothing phases them. I I think so. I think they just like have seen a whole different side of, yeah. I mean, the post-race ones can never be too pretty, but there we are. Yeah. So, so the recovery, it sounds like you were on crutches and you said three months until you were running again. Is that right? Um, yeah. So it was two, yeah, two months on crutches. I think and then I could start to walk normally and then I could slowly start to run again um but like I used the treadmill like lever movement quite a lot um to start with because I was just like honestly so cautious after being I think like when you've been in pain for a long time and you're like super used to kind of protecting part of your body you kind of become very afraid and it took me 
probably like mentally as much as anything like a very long time to feel comfortable just pushing myself and not being afraid that something was going to snap or what have you so yeah that was like it took a while but again I was racing so that was last year and then I raced in August I raced in Gdynia 70.3 and I I won there but I, I didn't have the best run I kind of died in the last 5k um which was comes back to the problems I had in like Florida which uh Florida South Africa where I was like severely sick at about 28k in the marathon and that was an illness that took a long time to get diagnosed as well so between a stomach illness and the torn labrum yeah I was kind of had a very mediocre two years but I was kind of proud that even with that I still managed to compete at a pretty high level yeah no no kidding and and winning your first race back is uh it has to give you a little bit nice. of confidence <laughs> but did you have a support network that you were relying on during that time and were sponsors generally supportive I mean was there was there ever a worry that you wouldn't make a full comeback um for me in my head no um like I always had I had the best doctor who like for the for the surgery the best surgeon who um assured me that he'd performed this plenty of times and everything had always gone well um the best coach who was always behind me and very understanding as well of like the ups and downs and actually my coach later Brenly he took me on like as I was having all these problems so we've really been through all the lows as well as highs now um but yeah like with regards to sponsors I've been so fortunate that I've got an amazing sponsors who have stood by me and behind me and helped me with this comeback and going further still like I did not expect to I mean in a way I thought everything happened after Nice 2019 World Champs where I came third and then all this happened I was like am I gonna be a one-trick pony like that's it but I was so so like kind of shocked but also so proud to have made kind of the full comeback return this year with coming third again <laughs> yeah no it has been a fairy tale season for you in a way in a way <laughs> we, we'll uh talk more about that but I do want to one of the first events I think you did post-surgery was uh you were a pacer on team Nicholas Spierig for the sub eight project and so that was June yeah. 2022 what was that experience like so that was the uh yeah the phoenix sub seven sub eight project so that was that was really awesome that was um it was great for me because at the time i wasn't running or i was swimming a bit but like super easy and so it kind of during my rehab process it gave me this wonderful target of getting bike fit which i was allowed to do like five days post-surgery i was allowed to go on my bike like barely turning my legs but quite literally barely turning my legs but it kind of was the only thing I could do so it was for me the perfect moment to be focusing only on the bike and then to be able to help someone as amazing as Nicola um, in achieving the sub eight which she absolutely smashed was um was very cool so yeah that was like a great group of girls um I was one of the Swissies on Nicola's Swissie team and um yeah we had a lot of fun with it and yeah, it was it was really different kind of experience, just pushing yourself so hard on the bike to to come off completely ruined, like you could barely walk after. So that was that was cool. 
Yeah. And, and of course, Nicholas Beard, 2012 gold medalist, and you both raced for Switzerland. So what was it like to kind of play a role in one of her final races of her incredible career? Uh, I mean, it was awesome. And it was, uh, we had a great team of girls. We were a bit um, thrown together because we were, uh, yeah, we, quite a lot of triathletes and the other girls team were quite a lot of pure cyclists as well. So we were like, um, we're going to hold our own now. But we did. I think we, you know, Nicola, absolutely. I think she had uh, seven 39 or something, I think. So yeah, she I should... the goal. <laughs> yes, um, it was so exactly. fast. It yeah, was it so was, fun I... to watch too. I will say <laughs> I was like watching it and it was so fun to watch all of you working together. And, and like you said, it is so different because usually you are competing by yourself and the pressures were so different for this event too. Even though you are mostly triathletes, individual athletes, you got to race as a team. Yeah. I think a, a, a big, um, a big problem that we had to overcome was the fact that we were all used to riding like at least 12 meters away from the wheel in front and here we were like on the wheel and um honestly it was terrifying to begin with <laughs> and we had like two three days to practice it before before the the show and so yeah we had a lot of um a lot of close calls but it was it was fun to do and we, we yeah we got on well and um I think everyone kind of understood each other's strengths and weaknesses by the end and where we didn't we didn't really know each other that well some of the girls I'd never met before so it was very much like a very steep learning curve but to be able to hold for 180k a strong pace line in front of Nicholas Spirig with no accidents happening <laughs> um yeah I'm proud of that that was very cool yeah and and then you mentioned that win in Poland and your 2022 season, it ended, I mean, up being fairly solid. You had, you know, the win and I think you finished uh, or you raced the 70.3 World Championships in a very cold yeah. day in St. George. You came off the bike in sixth place and ultimately finished 14th. And on Instagram, you did post about being really proud of the year. And, you know, considering you started it being pretty injured and you didn't think you'd be able to race at all or you weren't sure so can you talk a little bit more about the emotions that you have looking back on on that 2022 season and the 70.3 world's performance um yeah there's mosquitoes sorry um yeah um so I'm very proud to have gotten there to have gotten to the start line um as we mentioned as you mentioned as you I've talked about like I had the hip surgery at the beginning of the year and I didn't really know if I was going to be able to like make such a strong recovery obviously my run was hugely disappointing there for me like dropping I was just like essentially what happened was 10k to go I had no energy um and I had this stomach issue where I couldn't absorb any energy so basically I did the whole race on nothing um and that meant that the last 10k was especially with the cold I was pretty dried out by the end and yeah so I didn't finish feeling great and um yeah I guess that was something else I had to work on at the beginning of this year was uh I had a whole like stomach kind of rehab therapy that I had to go through and that's very much changed my training and it changed my eating um but I think I've come out of it well um at the time I didn't know any of this was a problem I just basically felt like I was completely I just honestly ended the year in a state of pretty severe chronic fatigue um like I couldn't get out of bed I was sleeping like 13 hours 14 hours a day naps and I just like couldn't 
I just had no energy at all. Um, like I had motivation, but I had no energy. And I was like, okay, something's quite wrong. And so I had some tests I've done and they were like, oh yeah, you have cyber, you have this. And it all related to this gastro infection I had when I lived back in Thailand and was racing a lot in Southeast Asia. And so that was a long <laughs> process as well. Um, but yeah, basically 2020, 2022 was a year of discovering I had loads of health problems and sorting them all out. <laughs> yeah, what is stomach rehab and like, and what do you eat now? Are you, is that, is that mostly how you're able to manage it? Is this something you were able to like take antibiotics and get rid of, or is it something you'll live um, with forever? No. So the problem arose because I took a strong dose of antibiotics when I got a a bacterial infection in my stomach um and that was like in april 2020 i got it i think when i had all these issues um but it took like a long time for the decline to happen and then i think several like long ironman races didn't really help and just kind of exacerbated the whole situation and so when i was had my surgery i wasn't physically pushing myself so hard especially on the run so i kind of didn't realize i still had a problem i thought it was all gone um magically healed turns out i hadn't and um so i ended up yeah waiting for quite basically going through a whole season just trying to not really knowing what was wrong i always whenever someone has a problem whenever someone's injured I always think the worst thing is not knowing what it is and what's caused it and this was exactly that it was just like a long time of not of feeling very meh really um until it eventually got to the point where yeah I went to in I went home to Switzerland and had like all the tests and they were like yeah basically you can't absorb any sugars especially when you're under stress yeah that makes racing really hard Cause that's basically all you're doing is trying to absorb sugar <laughs> while under stress. So, yeah. so what do you do? What do you do now? Are, are, now I mean, are you fine. able now to take it's... in sugar? Okay. Yeah. So now I've like, I, yeah, I like revamped the whole stomach essentially. And now, yeah, I'm back to like racing on, I'm still like a little cautious, like 80 to 90 grams of carbs an hour when I'm racing and like I'll avoid gluten and lactose in important weeks um, just to err on the side of caution but yeah, other than that, it's fine. Yeah. And is that the reason why I think, I think, uh, those 70.3 worlds happened in October and then, uh, we didn't see you on a start line until May of 2023. Yeah. So <laughs> at the challenge championship. And so during that time you were working on, on this stomach issue, trying to figure out how, how you could eat in everyday life. I mean, cause it does sound yeah. like it was like hard to get through. I mean, races are one thing, but it sounds like it was like hard to even do like anything. Yeah, it was honestly, I was like, I my I lived like in this constant state of brain fog. I don't know. It, it's very hard to explain. Like everything was just blare, like all like I knew I had to do things, but I just couldn't sit down and do anything. I couldn't focus on anything. I'm a bit ADHD anyway. So I was like, maybe my ADHD is just gotten really bad. But turns out it doesn't work like that. And yeah, I was just actually quite sick. Yeah. And, but after that race in Cameron, you really ended up on a roll. I think you won two challenge half distance races before putting together what I might consider the most impressive streak of racing we saw this year. I think, uh, in early August, you finished second at the 70.3 European championships in Tallinn. You're less mm -hmm. than a minute behind champion, Laura Phillip. Then two weeks later, you finished fourth at the PTO Asian open in Singapore 
And just one week after that, you were third at the 70.3 World Championships in Finland. So have you had a chance to kind of take a step back and reflect on how you pulled that off? Um, yeah, I did. I got COVID the week after, so I spent two weeks doing nothing and reflecting. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was a very awesome like stint of racing. I was very, I was kind of a bit ambiguous about going into it. Like I hadn't done that kind of racing in a very long time, that intensity and also that travel. And at that level, like the last experience I've I've had at racing at a high level had not gone very well. Like St. George the year before where I really was like finished. Okay, yeah, I, I finished, but I didn't feel great. And, you know, it's not a very nice feeling. Um, and then in Samarin where I was still dialing in my nutrition and again, didn't feel finish very well. So I was a bit nervous, but um, my partner came with me and basically made sure I got through all three races. Um, stayed staying and uh, yeah we had quite a lot of fun doing it actually like I didn't expect to enjoy it I got a bit sick along the way as well and I think kind of getting sick took all the pressure off and I was just like I'll race and uh, I'll start in Singapore I was like I'll start and um, if I if I don't feel well I'll drop out and I won't feel bad about it so I did the whole of the Singapore race being like I can drop out whenever I want and then I got into the last loop of the run and I was in fourth place and I was like, oh, third place and Chelsea was catching. And I was like, probably can't drop out now, can I? <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was really fun. It was really fun. Well, month of August. And then, um, yeah. And then I had another month in October with three races, the three challenge races in Europe. And um, those went pretty well as well. So yeah, I'm, pr I'm pretty chuffed with my 2023 season, to be honest. Yeah, maybe we discovered that you do really well back-to-back -back racing. And and even those three, those three with uh, ending in Lati, you know, you got, it seems like you actually got better with each one. And even with getting sick, with maybe having some uncertainty, like, how, like how, was your mental approach just to like go in with no pressure and just be like, let's just see what happens? Yeah, I had an absolute whale at the time. Like in Lati, I came out of the water with the front group. Like, what? <laughs> I got really lucky with where I was on the pontoon and it just worked out for me in the swim. And then on the ride, I was stayed with Taylor and Nib for 20, 25K. And um, in that time, one of the girls who was in our group got a penalty. So I was like holding about 20 meters, just absolutely afraid of like, I don't want to take any risks on that front. Um, so I think 20, they handed out like 22 penalties that day in the women's race. It was crazy. But yeah, so I was like riding a good 20 meters behind Taylor, even when it was 12 meter. And then um, at 25K, she dropped me and I just kind of rode rode on my own I just put my head down I was like right well let's see see how see how long it takes everyone to catch me because I was pretty aware that there was probably going to be a group of about five six decently strong riders behind me which was exactly the case and I only got caught by one of them in the end so <laughs> can't complain that was on the run so I think I put like a minute or two into them on the bike ride which I put down to like group dynamics can sometimes mess things up but I don't really know. Um, I just rode hard and honestly had so much fun riding that course. Yeah. And, and so you, you mentioned, or we mentioned earlier that you have finished, you finished on the podium in Nice in 2019, but you've gone through a lot since then. So how did it feel to be back on a world championship podium? Oh, it was, it was unreal. It was, 
it was almost more it was more special than the first time like the first time I was just like what just happened um how did that happen I think the first time in Nice with the steep Col de Mans like that kind of suited me that riding um even though I'm a bit bigger I think I just had ridden a lot in the mountains so that kind of worked for me and then this time was just like after everything that's happened over the last two years like all the injuries the illness the ups and downs like severe downs I think it was just yeah it was it was incredible to to be on that podium and also with such an amazing podium like with Taylor and Kat like it felt like honestly one of the hardest 70.3 start lines when I arrived in Lati I saw the start list and I was like this is actually nuts like if I make a top 10 here I've had the day of my life and then to end up on the podium was just unreal and in one of your post-race Instagram posts, you mentioned hearing that the TV moto hadn't followed you much on the bike because they expected you to fade. And so we know this actually wasn't the case. That's not how it played out, but external, I mean, insults like that, they can really hurt. And so do you have tips for drowning it out or, or just how we manage that kind of thing? No, to be honest, that was like hugely disappointing that an Ironman staff member told me that, like they literally said, we expected you to fade and I was like did you see my races in the last two weeks like the last three weeks I like they weren't they weren't okay I didn't win it on the run but I didn't fade that badly and yeah even if I had had a tendency to fade like me as an athlete and for my sponsors I deserve to have a bit of airtime I'd say like fighting in second place on my own and I got like about my mom said about 20 seconds worth of airtime and I was a bit like I, I don't know it didn't make me feel it just made me hugely disappointed honestly because it was just so you kind of realize like how geared they turn everything towards their favorites which like I understand you know they had the group behind me with an amazingly strong bike pack with all the big names in it and yeah that's great but at the same time like you know whoever it is first second third they're the ones racing in first second and third position if they fade they fade but like then the then the motor moves around like yeah maybe it's something they should think about when there were like four or five motos with the group behind me yeah I know riding in second at a world championship deserves some coverage and and you know they'll know next time but it is more than that it's that there could be another it's, person in that position and no person in that position, regardless of who they are, should should be not getting any coverage. Yeah, I just I just think it's really honestly like poor form and from them poor form to I mean, the fact that they even said it, I'm kind of shocked, but I'm kind of glad they said it. <laughs> that is well, also sometimes I'm like, if you're gonna set tell me something bad, like please just like keep it to yourself. <laughs> like, no, I'm glad I heard it straight out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. like, I proved you wrong. Um, a few weeks ago, I talked to Ann Reichman, who is, I believe you share a coach and you are occasional training partners. And I asked her about, about your relationship as, as training partners and I assume friends. And I'd love to hear your, your take on that as well. Oh, I haven't heard that yet, so I'm not sure what she said. It hasn't been released. It's coming out. It's coming out this week. So yeah, it hasn't come out yet. I'm sure it's only good things. No, um, no. Anna Reichman is great. Um, we have a lot of fun together. We, I like Anna because she just gets on with stuff, and she's 
just like okay we're meeting at this time and she's extremely German about it and she's there waiting for me and I'm like I'm so sorry I'm my two minutes my standard two minutes late I'm really sorry um but yeah we kind of just we just kind of get along and we have fun and um yeah we've done a, a lot of camps over the last few years sometimes you know one person's going better than the other uh, I've been on camps where I've basically not been able to train but she's there and she's been a positive person to be around um yeah we've had long days out like six hour rides in the Swiss Alps and just kind of still friends at the end of it so <laughs> and then it was pretty cool in um Singapore and in um and in Lati she she did both races as well she also did PTO Milwaukee before and um we so it was awesome traveling with her and and it was amazing seeing her at the finish line and honestly in Lati like she came she had an amazing performance she came 10th as well so I think she was you know she had a she had a solid day and then she she's just honestly she's such a kind person yeah <laughs> yeah she was happy for you she does say that uh when you two train together sometimes like she can tell you it's it's not it's okay to not always go all out all the time <laughs> she's like so she's the eldest sibling in her family of four siblings and you can really tell that because like I'm that annoying like younger sibling like I'm there. I'm here. I'm here. Don't worry. And she's like, just calm down. <laughs> um, sounds like a great, a great partnership. And you mentioned after 70.3 world, you came down from COVID, but then you did still intend race these three more challenge races back to back to back weekends. So how did you kind of handle that uncertainty when you had COVID? Was there ever any question that you might not race? Yeah. But it was the same thing. It was great. I was like, well, if I can't race, I can't race. But I really want to do my best and do the best preparation I can because, like, I'm going – I was going well, so I had confidence there. I had confidence in my racing. Um, and then I got – obviously, as you said, got COVID. And I was like, well, if I if I am not strong enough or whatever, then, you know, it's kind of like when you have that excuse, it takes all the pressure off. So I knew that I could just kind of – go in and really enjoy the experience of racing again, um, which I did. I really enjoyed it for Barcelona. I really enjoyed it for Mallorca, but in Mallorca, I overheated a bit. And then um, recovering from that, and then the and then between Mallorca and Pumacool, um, I, like, we moved house as well. And so it was just like a lot of stress. <laughs> Of course, you had to add something else in there. I'm just like, I'm like, how many hours are in your day? I'm very impressed. <laughs> There were not enough that week. <laughs> but yeah, um, that kind of, yeah, in Viewbacool, I was racing at not my best. Um, I was, Carol Poole was racing there as well. She had a fantastic day. And yeah, she really kept the pressure on. She, I think she, at the end, she finished like 30 seconds in front of me and I could see her on the run. She passed me on the run and I was like, I just have no gear. Like, I'm just exhausted at this point. So just just do your best to finish and so I was kind of like pleased to finish it was it was I kind of knew it was a big risk going into it um but yeah I wanted to see if I could rank well in the challenge rankings at the end of the year so that was also an incentive and um yeah I'll be honest with you it was a bit like after Lati but without the COVID I just took two weeks of doing absolutely nothing and just like lay in bed and ate food for two weeks 
and it yeah. was pretty good after that. <laughs> well deserved. And and so you did. You finished first, first, and second in those three challenge races. And I think right now you are second in the challenge family world bonus rankings. Um, I think that's a sixteen thousand five hundred dollar year in bonus. Uh, I know there's still probably some races, but it seems like that's probably yeah. where it's going to end mm-hmm. up. Um, do you be, feel like be a joint second? But we'll see. <laughs> you think? Oh, you think there could be some movement? Yeah, but that's okay. okay. Yeah, but still, I think even third was like it's still a pretty good amount of money. It's a healthy amount. Yes, it's definitely not something to complain about. Yeah, so you feel like that was a good way to kind of wrap up an already incredible season. Yeah, I think like I wanted to after Lahti, I wanted to race again. I I knew that for sure, and I think I wanted to like race with a distinct challenge, and so I gave myself a triple challenge talent. Yeah, are you like a big fan of this triple challenge now? I mean, it's you did it basically twice this year and did very well. Is that something you'd recommend yeah. other people try? I wouldn't recommend it. I'll be honest. <laughs> I was so fried. What about those. without the move? What about without moving house in between? Yeah, definitely like, don't maybe definitely with with less round the world travel, like you did in the first one. Uh, yeah, I'd say like I think if I did it again, which I wouldn't be averse to, I would just like streamline the whole process a lot more, and I think it would be an absolute. Like, I could have done the third race as hard, if not harder, than the first one. But as it was, like. I think the rate the week of that third race in eight nights we slept in six different beds like just through the travel yeah so I was just absolutely I just wanted to be in one place after after that and we'd been kind of like on the road basically not home since June end of June and I think like there's only so much of living out of suitcase one really wants to do but I think at that point I'd reach my limit for the year yeah and when you're in that how do you manage it are you just like one day at a time and just like be present in this moment yeah I think also like if that's when it's really important like who you're traveling with who's who's around you who's essentially looking after you um and yeah I was, I'm very lucky to have my boyfriend who was there and able to to travel and work uh, alongside it also yeah do you carry any like special foods or anything that like give you comfort and remind you of home or or anything like that that just helps like keep you grounded during that time? Are you pretty you're pretty flexible, go with the flow? Yeah, I'm pretty flexible. I think also like we were racing in um in places that I was quite familiar with. So I was racing like in that time I was racing Barcelona, Mallorca, where I spent a lot of time training and then Vieux which okay, I've never been there, but it's, you know, when you speak the language somewhere, it's it's a lot more familiar and it's it kind of relaxes you a bit. And I think with um before in, uh, when I'd raced in obviously Tallinn, I've, I've never been to, but then we went to Thailand for 10 days before Singapore, where I spent a lot of time training in Thailand before. So that was kind of like a home away from home in its own way. And then Singapore, I'm very familiar with. I grew up in Southeast Asia, so I'm very relaxed in that kind of environment and absolutely love those big cities. Like that's home for me. Um, so I think just I was kind of fortunate in a way that like I could get somewhere and actually properly relax. Uh, for me also having my own cooking facilities is quite essential just because I'm a bit like picky before a race, but yeah. Yeah. And, and so you are currently ranked ninth in the PTO rankings. And I imagine 
you have some unfinished business at the Ironman distance. And of course, Ironman just announced its own pro race series. So can you share any thoughts on how you'll structure your 2024 season? Do you, have you thought about this? Are, are you ready to make any of that public? Um, I've, I've thought about it. Uh, I'm not sure about making it public just yet, but I, yeah, we're thinking about it a lot as a team. Like obviously uh, you spoke to Anna, so you know that she's focusing a bit more on the long distance next year which is interesting for me because like she's a great training partner but then also like I've enjoyed racing the short the short short half distance this year so much that I'm not sure if it's quite the right moment to go to Ironman I think also the way that Ironman bonus is structured is like you've got to be able to race three I, I ideally race three Ironman in a reasonably short like six months which I don't think I would be willing to do I don't think it would be healthy for me to do so honestly like I'm 30 years old I feel like I've got a good stint left in the sport I'm absolutely loving it um especially being healthy it seems that helps a lot and I yeah I'm not sure if it's right the right the perfect moment for me to go up to that distance yet yeah, you got plenty of time. Well, Imo, thank mm -hmm. you so much for, for chatting today. It's been great to catch up. It's been really fun to watch your comeback and I'm excited to cheer you on in 2024. Thank you very much. Alyssa, I think it's kind of fun being able to uh, chat with Ann Reichman last week and then Imogen Simmons this week. And I did uh, ask them about each other. It wasn't necessarily going to be planned about that, but I like hearing perspectives on, on athletes from other athletes. And I do think they have a, a great relationship and it seems like everything that is working for them is, is definitely working. So it was, it's fun to have those two back to back. Yes. Thank you to them for both coming on and Haley. Just a reminder to all of our listeners to get your women's sports fan club merch and hats, sweatshirts, teas, I think. We have some teas there, coffee mug, all sorts of fun stuff that can be Christmas gifts and stocking stuffers for the women's sports fan in your life. That's womensperformance.com forward slash fan club to see all the options. And Alyssa, uh, the season has been winding to an end. Uh, we're marching quickly toward the end of the year, but uh, we do have a little bit of racing coming up this weekend. Indian Wells 70.3 is happening. Palm Springs or Indian Wells, La Quinta, uh, California, and as well as Ironman Western Australia in Bustleton. So some from some races to track this weekend and cheer on all those folks who are still still racing into December. Very impressive. Uh, I will be, you know, lounging a little bit, having a little bit more coffee, maybe doing some aerobic exercise and, uh, and you know, being inspired for 2024. Yes, as you should be, as you should be. Indian Wells is, a, I think, a favorite of both of ours. So that is I do love that race. One. Yeah. So I will be tracking, seeing what goes down over there. But um Haley enjoy enjoy that aerobic exercise and that coffee you've definitely earned it and I'll talk to you next week bye Alyssa you've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ellen Natitian Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.